If you only listen to one podcast today, it should be the Rollcast Podcast. Welcome to the Rollcast podcast on the fly. I am Don Anderson. I'm here with my friend, Mr. Tim Geekus. And the Wonder Dog, Jake. Jake, yes. Jake is, when I left the house to come over here, he almost blocked me out of the door. He's like, nobody's going without him. Yeah, you know, I, I feel that we've been remiss in not introducing him in the introductions. We can, That's probably true. Yeah. We got him up there on the figurehead. We need to have him, you know. Well... Yeah, people like him better than do me anyways. <laughs> they like him better than they do me. What's been going on, man? How are you? Um, well, uh, I tried to go fishing yesterday. Cause tried? I tried and uh, struck out, which I don't always do, but I do occasionally. But I was just trying for panfish and I struck out, which that kind of hurt my feelings. Well, one of the, like I think we said a minute ago, um, some days there are those factors that we don't know exist that actually exist that are in play right i think yeah there must have been something like the stars alignment or something i don't know sure how many times do you go and every factor that we think of you know winds perfect temperatures perfect you know uh, low sun the clouds are in and everything that we know about should add up to a just a you know, right. killer day right and then you go and you can't buy a fish right exactly the, the, I, there are factors at play that we don't as humans know about in, I, in my mind i was trying black mini leeches skating across the top of the weeds i let them fall in between the the weed pods i yeah. fished on the top i fished just below the surface with a dropper i mean i just you know parachute atoms off the off the black fly and, and they hit the black fly. They didn't even look at the parachute atoms. You're kidding me. No. If I threw a parachute atoms alone, they would hit it. But given the choice between the two, and they were about six inches apart well, on the surface. Well, that's cool A-B testing right there. It is A-B testing. That's pretty cool. And they were hitting the black uh, black fly. But they wouldn't, they wouldn't swallow it. They, well, you the, think the, they're picking and popping? The little ones. Yeah. They were so small they couldn't swallow. And it wasn't. It was only a 14 hook. But... Um, it was interesting they were picking the black over the parachute atoms, which was brown and white. Um, but the big ones, the ones I really wanted, the yeah. ones decent size that could swallow a fourteen hook, they just weren't not there. A, not a, yeah, one of those one of those weird weird uh, invisible factor days. Yeah, I tried. I yeah, tried yeah. what the spots I thought were nests. I think they've already bred probably, and they're old nests. Yeah. Well, they'll be coming on and off, on and off. You know, the sun, the sunfish will. Will it? Yeah, they'll be coming on and off through, throughout the warm part of the year. Uh, we'll get a, we'll get a, you know, a bunch of batches of little sunfish. Well, this must have been up. afterglow, and they just were gone. <laughs> <laughs> You're supposed to be hungry during that point, aren't you? That's what I thought, but I don't know. Oh, man, it it happens. I hear carp do that after breeding; they get really hungry, and they really they're yeah. just boiling around. Yep. Well, uh, what have you been doing? Man, I've been working a little bit. Been, it's been 
until we had all this rain, you know, the uh, water's really, really muddy right now. But, you know, uh, even before it got super muddy, it was still kind of cloudy. But, man, I was having a great couple of weeks. The last last two weeks before we had all this rain, it was just lights out on the river. It was great. And so now I'm just kind of waiting for it to clear where I can see a little bit better. You, you were trying to catch carp and you were getting bass blocked. I did. I got bass blocked a couple of times and on a on a real decent fish too. Most people are lucky to look for bass and yeah, you know, I used to, I used, yeah, I used to get angry. <laughs> they're your trash fish now. No, no, no. There, there's no such thing as trash fish. Okay, All right. you're you're right. I agree to that. Yeah, I mean, I you know when I was a gear guy and when I was a kid, you know, wives' tails, all that. All that BS, you know, there were in my mind actual trash fish, but now, uh, no, yeah. no, every, and there's, there's not a bad fish. They're all wonderful. That's the way it was when, when nothing of the size I wanted was hitting, I would throw where the little ones were just to see something sure. move around. I was just, you know, to remind myself that they're still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, when I was a gear guy, that's, <clears throat> things would get slow. I'd go to the ultralight. Start catching perch and little bass and stuff like that. Yeah. And then I started using the ultralight for everything. You know, I started, Mm. I I really figured out when I was a gear guy, I really figured out downsizing is hugely important. Exactly. Yeah. Even in the ocean, I used fishing the surf. I didn't use a big reel, I used a smaller reel. Well, I'm talking about, you know, fly size, you know. Well, I'm talking about when I was gear fishing. Yeah, and you were downsizing all your gear, right? Even out, yeah. yeah, even back then. But now, you know, I don't, I don't like heavy equipment. There's no need in that. Not most of the time, no, no. You know, we're um, not, we're unless not catching you mean, salmon, or not, you know, if maybe up when you're going up. Yeah, well, most of the time, it's most of the time it's it's tied to the size of your fly instead of the size mm-hmm. of your fish, right? I mean, True. in some cases, in some cases, it's you know, you catch giant fish on little bitty flies, right? Yeah. You know, look, look at uh, the tarpon flies aren't big. Uh, you know, true. Tar- tarpon flies are not large. You, know, you could cast most of those tarpon flies on much smaller rods. Well, I, I guess the, the reel determines, beside drag, I guess there's a drag issue, but the reel is going to determine how much line you carry. Yeah. It sure is. Yeah. And, and the, uh, the saltwater guys, you know, they, they, uh, they use the gel spun. Uh, you know, with a really super thin diameter, so they can cram a whole lot on the saltwater reels. And what do you use? I, I've got, I think I've got twenty pound dacron on all of mine. It's, you know, that's what I'm using yeah. twenty. You know, so it stacks in there. I can't put quite as much on, but I don't need quite as much. I mean, like we said, even when I'm fishing carp, I'm in ninety percent of the time in a river situation. You know, so it's it's a pretty small arena. Uh, you've got a couple hundred yards there. That's pretty far away for any fish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if I get get there, you know, it's, it's, it's time to kick the two cylinder in and go to running, <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. That's right. Well, I think that was one of our carp points. Is we'll get into later. Um, we're going to do a little recap on carp. I want to, so I can remember better. Is that you got to keep up with the fish too? You know, you, you can't do. just let them run amok. No, no, don't running. let that fish get the better of you. Yeah. So. Um, Got any fishing trips planned up front going forward? Oh, nothing huge. No, just just you know local stuff. I'm going down. Uh, I mean, it's not huge, but I think what first of the month I'm going to go down and uh, and uh, fish with uh, Tattoo Mike in Houston. I think we're going to go hit the uh, hit Braze Bayou one day and then hit the surf the next okay. day. Okay. 
So I love fishing Bray's. Uh, I mean, you know, and I, look, I hate the city. I despise big well, cities. Well, Bray's are in front through the city. Yeah, but <laughs> it's so weird and so, you know, it's so strange to be fishing in a downtown situation. I actually enjoy it. it it's weird. I and, mean, and I do like being able to walk up out of there and get a really good lunch. You're right. I mean, Bray's is right next to a, a really cool bagel shop over there on Chimney Rock. Yeah. You could just walk yeah. up there and have a... Oh yeah, this, yeah, it's it's terrific. Sandwich. I mean, yeah, I can, I can go to the vape shop. You know, I can go get <laughs> get a sandwich. You know, that back in the day there was a cool record store right up the street, but uh, record stores mm-hmm. are a thing of the past. So yeah, what are records? I don't know what they're so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, that's going to be a lot of fun. And then my new, uh, really enjoying surf fishing, <clears throat> and uh, I think that's going to become. A, uh, a point of interest for me in the future is, is learning surf. I love surf fishing. I, I like the action of the waves yeah. pushing me. I like uh, the fish that come out of there. Yeah. I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about it. You know, I don't know how to read surf. And that's one of the things that really, I, I think that I need, I think that's the first thing I probably need to learn is how to read surf, read that beach, right? Well, first thing you learn is how to swim. <laughs> yeah. yeah, call for help. Yeah. The second thing you learn is not to step on rays. Yeah. You know, I learned that from bay fishing. Yeah. Other than that, you're in pretty good shape. Yeah. Yeah, you'll learn the rest of it. You know, I made a decision, a personal decision. I've been wrestling for a long time. Um, I was going to go a bigger rod, a heavier rod, because I've got a, a three, five, and a six. And so I was going to do something different. And I'm thinking I'm going to go with an eight. You jump up to eight, yeah. Eight fiberglass. Fiberglass. Yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, you sent me a little thing about that yeah, the other day. To yeah. match the three I've got. I like it. I like it. And uh, so. It's going to be a good carp rod. I think I finally made the decision. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to like it for that. I think it'll do that in the surf boat. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. You going to so, go for the, the shorter blank or the longer blank? Uh, don't know what's available. I've got to see. Yeah. I remember you sent me one that you were thinking about. It was what? It was an eight and a half? Eight, six or something. Yeah. yeah. The only thing about that is standing in surf. You know, it's the only, that, that was the only drawback I was thinking of is a short rod standing, you know, waist deep in surf. Yeah. Well, you don't want to hit the seagulls. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you don't. No, you don't. We've all done that. Well, some of us have done that. I've seen a few seagulls, air quotes, caught. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I don't know where you're down there. Check out and see what size of rods people are buying for the surf. If you're going to fish a longer rod, do you think you got you were use ten ten foots anyway? Well, my my eight uh, the eight that I use when I'm down there is a nine footer. Okay, yeah, a sage uh, nine foot eight, and uh, I like it. It's a rocket launcher. It is a rocket launcher. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Well, that's all you need. I mean, it's yeah. It's not like you're going to throw across the channel. Or yeah, something. you know, if I was so, going back and forth all the time, yeah, I would. I would probably have two, three, four saltwater rods, and and I'm sure that's probably in the future. I guess the reel is really the big issue for saltwater. Well, there you go. And here's here's a good segue. You you want a good reel with a sealed drag for saltwater. You want a sealed drag so you don't get that salt in there. Um, but uh, you want a good drag. You don't want the click and paw. No. You want a good disc drag for salt water. And it's one of the things that we covered lightly in our two, two cart, mm. cart podcast. But, um, one thing that you guys need to think about is, uh, you want a decent drag. You don't need to have an expensive reel. 
uh, carp fishing, but you want to have a good disc drag, a smooth drag. You don't, you want one with a low startup inertia. Startup inertia means how much is it going to take? Say you've got it at five pounds of drag. A lot of reels will take six pounds to get that five pounds started. Um, you, your better reels will start at five, right? Uh, you want that low startup inertia because you don't want that herky jerky movement when the drag engages. You want it to be smooth. You don't want anything popping on your line. But that's one of the things that, that uh, we probably should have touched on a little bit more in our two podcasts, don't you think, Tim? Probably we should have. Um, one last thing about the saltwater is you're going to go saltwater fish, you need a saltwater line. Well, you need you need a warm water line, yeah. Because, the, well, the water's denser. If yeah. you're going to use a floating line, it's, it's one thing, but if you're going to use a sinking line, not all lines are going to sink in the saltwater if they're freshwater lines. Yeah. Yep. So that's the only other thing I was going to bring there up. There you go. There you go. So we, we had a lot of comments back on the carp episodes. Yeah. And I think it would be good if we did a little recap. I think you're right. You know, to wind things back up and refresh everybody's memory, some of the things that we covered and probably some of the things we forgot. Yeah. Yeah, you like know, that, like, you know, talking about, you know, strong drag. Exactly. All that, you know. Well, uh, you know, um, we went through, you know, moving quietly, what to look for. Starting, you get out of the, what, what yeah. happens? Yeah, I think the question was I asked you was, what happens when you first pull up to your parking spot? Yeah, yeah, you want, you want to get ready quiet. Yeah, you want Slamming get, car doors. Not a good idea unless you've, you got a long way to walk to go You've cleared fishing, 50 right? yards pretty easy right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You may have cleared a lot longer than that, depending on if it's windy or you exactly. know what's, what how noisy it is. But no, slow. You know, a lot of these things are common sense. You got you a know. boom box running. Yeah, that's not going to work either. No, I wouldn't pull out. You know, jamming Pantera. You know, out the windows. Exactly. Roll up to the, to the deal. But so you know. so you get up and you rig out and you try to be quiet about try everything. Try to be quiet. Make make your approach slow. Slamming quiet. Doors. Use cover. Slamming the tailgates. Yeah. Yeah. Use cover. Um, use shadows. Talking quietly if you've got somebody with you. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just you know, uh, don't wave your rod around in the air. You know, um, don't make sudden herky-jerky movements. Just just take it easy. So you're walking. Now you're walking to down the water. You're, you're going to be scoping out. You're hunting. Yeah. At this point, you're yeah, hunting. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And you've got to figure out what the carp's environment is. What are they living in? What's the living conditions? What's the water like? Yeah. You know, hopefully you've done a little recon. You know, you should probably do a little recon, especially if it's water you're going to wade in. Well, let's just say you pull up first and maybe on another day, if possible, and just walk. Walk the river. Walk where you're going to fish. Oh, sure. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. That's a terrific idea. Um, like, like, uh, remember when Charlie was talking about night fishing? You know, he likes to survey his area before he gets in During and knows the daylight, what's going right. on. Yeah, you you want to be prepared about what you're going to see before you get to the river. I mean, not not every time. You're not gonna have a chance every time, right? You want to go to a new spot, but with carp, you want to if you can. You'd like to be familiar with your with your you know the playing surface, per right? Se, right. And, and note any place you see fish hanging out. That's number one. That's a terrific point, Tim. If you see carp feeding in an area, there's a reason there. 
There's a reason. There's food there, and there's food there on a regular basis. They will come back. If you're there If you're there and they're not there the second time, don't worry. The third or fourth time you come back, you're going to be carp there. And if you look out there like in a, in a, in a gravel or mud situation, it'll look like it's been carpet bombed. With little bitty tiny bombs. And I, mean, I might even say you stack two little stones together, but I know the naturalist haters are going to be writing us about that. Yeah. So don't disturb the environment. No. Just figure out where you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, do some recon if you can. Do some recon if you can so you know what you're going to be sneaking through. You know, you get to a spot and there's carp everywhere. But you've got to plow through 60 yards of noisy dead brush to get there. Well, right. you, know, you know, so kind of have, kind of have a game plan, you know, if you can, if you, you can, like I talked about, go and look at the water early, early, early in the morning, see if there are carp there. And look and see if other people have fished there, if there's pathways trotted yeah. down yeah. trails. Yeah, and don't regular. don't be discouraged by that. No, don't no, be discouraged by that. Uh, People go there for a reason. Yeah, carp, uh, carp are not going to get conditioned. They're too smart. If if they start to get conditioned, they'll just leave. Yeah, they're not going to sit around and get caught all the time. If they think they're going to get caught, they're just going to leave. So it's it's not like you're going to get into a situation with you know a bunch of selective trout in front of you, right? Well, if they get caught, they don't have to come back, do they? Yeah, they just somebody's taking yeah. them off. Yeah. No, but, really. Uh, they, you're right. They, they're there for food. They're there to live. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, you need to remember that their senses are off the charts. Their, their, their sense of eyesight, hearing, smell, taste. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's, uh, you know, the best in fresh water by far. Maybe even the best in salt. I don't know. But, you know, uh, we've done some, we've talked about how well fish can see and, and, that sort of thing before we've talked about uv light and colors but we also t- last time we talked about the angle fish can see on the water sure so i actually sat down and did some math and if every can everybody imagine this if it's relatively flat around the river and a carp's in the river and he's looking up at you and he's looking up at an angle of 30 degrees and you just draw a line of sight out of his eye 30 degrees elevated from the horizon that's what you think the carp can see and you're sneaking around below trying to stay below that but actually the refraction of the water will bend that angle down lower the carp can actually see about what 27 28 29 degrees so you need um, to take your cap off yeah. well, oh, yeah, i mean you've, got, you've actually got it written down you've yeah. got 27 degrees that's what i thought it was 20, horizontal yeah 27 degrees so you think you can't even see it. You think the carp's looking at a certain angle, or might be, but if he's looking at the horizon, yeah, that water's been. He's almost looking flat. Yeah, you could be on your knees and he could still see you in yeah. some cases. No, the, no. The one thing that you have working to your advantage um, is if the carp is in shallow water, which he normally is. Is his cone's going to be smaller in shallow water? The closer he is to the top of the water, right? His cone is going. His vision cone is going to be smaller. Uh, it's it's. Strange to think about, but the deeper a fish is, the farther out of the water you can see. He's got a because wider cone. Because of more cone. refraction, because yeah. of the, the length. He's got a wider cone, you know. So, yeah, shallow, they're going to be see closer to the horizon than you think, but you're, you've got a better shot at them approaching close in shallower water than deeper water. Well, and carp can rotate their eyes. Yep, just like they're, you and I. They're not yeah. fixed like some fish are. Yep. 
out of the side of their head, they can yeah. rotate up and down yep. and forward. So they can see a pretty good wide they field. They can see well. They can hear well. We talked about the, the, the sensory system, you know, the lateral line. Um, and they, they have a pseudo ear. Uh, like like other fish don't they they can't actually hear vibrations it's 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 pretty crazy well that lateral line does a couple of things too it, it senses electricity is energy, that right energy fields some other right and i knew some of saltwater fish could do that but i did not know freshwater fish could do that well it's some it's some it's yes let me just say they can't do it they may not build they may be able to do it for perfection they may not be uh-huh. a pro saltwater sensor right right but it's the same system, you know. It's got some degree of, and we just don't know how much that that's, is. That's that's amazing. That's but cool. To think other about. other fish around, they can sense other living things. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, like when you're standing in a dark place and somebody walks up behind you and you know it. Yeah, that happens yeah. to you a lot. That's because I'm paranoid. <laughs> yeah, a paranoid is just a dude with all the facts. By that's the way. true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a guy that knows what can happen. Right? That's what I have the wonder dog for. He he takes care of that. <laughs> he's he's security for me. All right, let's see. Um, uh, we covered presentation. Anything that, that that you think we might have been a little foggy on with presentation? Anything you want to go over there? Well, uh, we said the no high rods, wave them around if you're going to be close yeah, where the yeah. fish can see. Yeah, you. It goes back to cut cut down on your movements and. Uh, yeah, hold down your false cast as much as possible. Yep, yep. You don't want to be flipping that line above their head. Yep. And I, I, I'm going to have a question. Um, let's talk about line color. We know fish can see color, and we know that generally fish don't pay attention to color we think on the lines. Um, some people say yes, and some people say no. But if something's colorful flopping around above your head, I kind of think the carp might be able to see that. I've always thought it doesn't really matter what the line color is. A silhouette's a silhouette. If it's in the sky, they're going to see a black silhouette against the sky. You don't think they can see color? Oh, I I think they probably can, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think any color flying above their head, just as good might as well be purple as brown as yellow as as camouflage right i think i think you produce a silhouette i think even if you put clear line over their head it produces a silhouette well that's true yeah, yeah. I, I agree to that yeah I'm the new gonna... zealand guys go crazy over fly line color i don't want my fish to see my fly line if the fish have seen my fly line the game's over anyway so i should be able to use fuchsia if i want Let's say there's some things they can probably see, but let's just call it circle of concern. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe on their circle of concern. Look, even if you don't believe in it, it always pays to stack the odds in your favor, right? If it doesn't hurt your your end game, stack those odds in your favor. Little bitty bitty odds stacked up on top of each other, yeah. They may be able to see your line, but maybe it's just too far away to care, and that kind of segues into – you may be waiting or walking near a carp, stalking them, and they know you're there, and sure. they just they keep a distance. They sure. move away. Sure, especially if you're in the water. They keep that space constant. Yeah, yeah. you, like we said, uh, I believe I used the term severe disadvantage if you're in the water, uh, and, and that's, that's true. I mean, the, you know, they, they know you're there. There's no mistaking it. Once you're waiting around in the water, every fish there knows something's going on. Okay, let's talk. It may not alarm them, but they're aware of it. Let's we'll go back to presentation a little bit. Um, it's your belief you throw 
forward and to the 45 of I, the carp? I, I prefer it. I prefer it. Yeah. Now, my dream shot is directly facing me and dragging it directly over his spine and double pumping it right in front That's of That's sort his of mono y mono, you know, where they can see you well, I, if you're not I, careful. I don't know that they can resist that double pump right in front of their face. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, it's almost a guaranteed eat. It sounds like an episode of Gunsmoke when you, <laughs> you describe it that way. It, it is. I mean, if they're, if they are directly on, and and you can you can jig that thing once. I call it a double pump. But if you can jig that thing once, right in their face, it fall. It's falling. You give it one little pump about eye level and let it drop. It's as good as it gets. You are humming the music from Good, Bad, and Ugly right now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great soundtrack. Yeah, the showdown. I well, okay. That brings up a few questions I have about flies. They can see well, so obviously a, a fly with a good profile that looks like food yes, may be to your advantage. Yep. We always use the term buggy, and buggy generally gets the job done. And they eat damsel nymphs. That's a favorite. Damsels. Damsels. And they eat and, uh, crawfish. That's a favorite. You, you know, the, yeah. So the crawfish, crawfish patterns. Is, you know, I've always, we, uh, you know, growing up, we always... Well, we didn't say growing up because there wasn't any crack around growing up. But as we got older, we always talked about, you know, bass can't resist crawfish. It's like bass crack. We joke, bass crack. Okay. Um, it's as close, if not more pronounced with carp. They love them. They love them. They love them. So that means they can see them. That means they recognize them. Oh, sure. Not just smell them, maybe. I, I think they smell them really well, too. I, I think they're really attuned in. I mean, look, look at how well they find mussels. How are they finding those mussels? They're smelling them. Well, that, I understand that because they're buried, some of them. Yeah. Uh, but I was reading about carp, and I was reading about carp's eyes because, you know, I get up all in the weird stuff. Yeah. And it brought up a point that I, I thought it, it's worth bringing out. Directly to the side of a carp— if you can only see one eye, that carp's looking at you with one eye. So he's got monovision, monocular vision. He doesn't have good depth perception. He doesn't recognize because it takes stereoscopic vision to really see good depth perception. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But if you can, you move around toward the front where he can rotate those eyes and see you. Uh -huh. And remember, straight out of the eye, it's a cone coming out. So it's kind of crosses and where that crosses, he has stereo vision. He can get. He range finds you very easily yeah. because they yeah. range finds crawfish, for instance, or sure. whatever. Sure, sure. So their their fear factor goes up. It goes up quickly. Yeah, significantly. When, when they tell so how far away from you they are. And I, that's why I'm, I'm. You know, you're going to face them off where they can see you well. And I understand you pro guides. You like that sort of thing. Oh, it's just it's, it's, Tim. It's just like I said on the last one. I, my eyesight. It's not great, and I just got to get close. <laughs> I do. I, I, I mean, I know you, you're giggling, but I, I ask any Mike. He, he cart fishes with me a lot. I got to get closer than he does because I can't see the head as well as he can. Okay, but if you're a beginner like me, you're better off starting from the back maybe and throwing over him in front of him. Well, you don't want to cross him. And when, you, when you're beginning, you don't want to cross him if, well, you, know, if, if you can help it. You're going to be one side or the other. You're not going to be directly behind him. No, no. So you're going to throw to the side that, 
where it's not crossing. Yeah. It's, but it's directly behind. The only you know the the biggest risk with directly behind is you run the risk of that that carp seeing the fly coming towards him above his head. You know, it's it's not coming. It's coming right at his face instead of kind of diagonal. Yeah. But but nine times out of ten, I, I don't know why that skiing across the top doesn't bother him, but it does. I think that's a circle of concern. I think it's normally things don't come out of that way, except you're a heron yeah, or something. But perhaps, yeah, that's not a. It's you know, not where they're expecting danger to come from. I don't know. They might big old pair of bird talons come through the top of the water. It'd be a pretty big bird that could yank a five or six pound carp I'm out telling, of the water. You know, I've got pictures in my phone the other day after we talked. I, I caught, oh, 12, 13 pound carp had bird scars on him on both sides <laughs> and fresh bird scars. I don't know what the hell that bird was thinking, but it was hungry. There may be some bird feathers inside that carp. There might. There might. There might. What else? What else? Well, do we, okay, we need and then to back to the flies. On? Yeah. With the water's muddy, you know, the normal I, – I go to something that's darker, high contrast. You, you think – intuitively think, oh, the muddy's – the water's dark, you can't see. That's when you really want to go to the black stuff. Yes. Because you – the contrast factor. Yep. You, they can see that better, yep. believe yep. it or not. You see e- that outline. Either bright white or, yeah. or black. Yeah, the, the, the lighter flies are actually reflecting the color back away from themselves. Exactly. Uh, the darker ones are drawing it in. So, do carp respond to attractor flies? You know, I think, yeah, I I think they particularly can. in muddy waters. I think, maybe I think presented correctly, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of carp stuff that doesn't look like real things. You know, um, a lot of guys catch them on eggs. You know, and most of your egg patterns are pretty brightly colored. Right. I would almost consider a brightly colored egg pattern to be an attractor. But our our well, our fish eggs around here are not bright. They're not like trout no, or salmon eggs. For the most part, no, no. But um, but they're still attracted. The yeah, yeah. I think it uh, goes back to profile. There are certain profiles locked in their search engine. It's round. It looks like some yeah. food. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know the attractor fly thing with a carp. It's it almost doesn't fit because you're not. You're not trying to get that carp to come to anything. You're not trying to get him to chase down. Well, in a small sense, you are. You're trying to get him to move just a couple inches, right? Sure. But, but uh, you know, you're putting it right down on there. You're not swinging it by, and him he's going to pick up and chase it, not really sure what it is. You know, I, I would say maybe not attractor flies, but bright colors can work well. Sometimes flash and sometimes bright it works. Sometimes. But in the food colors, like orange for crawfish or yeah, greens. I will fish day glow orange crawfish. Uh, it does not seem to bother them at all, and, and it helps me visually. Um, but yeah, day glow orange crawfish. Of course, you're going to see. I mean, that's almost a natural color for crawfish when they're at the height of the molt. They are right. bright. They orange. Are. When when they're molting, they're super bright. Sometimes they're super bright orange. So maybe not a maybe I wouldn't say maybe a tractor fly is not the right term, but a brightly colored pattern or a pattern that contains flash sometimes works real well. I've uh, I've caught carp on chartreuse flies, bright bright chartreuse. I've caught them on white. Okay. Um, I generally stick to browns, rusts. Greens, olives. Yeah. Well, dead minnows can be white. 
Sure. Shiny. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you know, uh, and they catch them on squirmy worms of all kinds of crazy colors. Well, I think there's a fly called the Darth Vader that I've seen. It's mm-hmm. kind of a black. Mm-hmm. Uh, Are you talking than about leaf. Darth Vader or Darth Clam? Well, I saw the one that's called Darth Vader, and it had a little red dust wormy worm out the back. Yeah, yeah, Darth Clam, yeah. That's called that Darth Clam, yeah, too. Yeah, Darth Clam, yeah. Yeah, <clears throat> that's along with those, like the, the it's not exactly a f- flesh fly, but it's in that same fam- family that we were talking about. That's one that you could never move. Right. Well, the article that, that, I read said it was it simulates worms because they eat a lot of worms too. Well, it's supposed to simulate the the the, the clam foot, the I, clam I foot believe, as well. Right? Yeah. Well, both. So, I, mean, yeah. I guess there's more than so. One story. Unless there's muscles on that clam foot, you can't move that fly, right? True. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's kind of like that flesh fly. It's just got to kind of sit in that mud cloud and hope he picks it up, right? Okay. Quick hit. If you hook the fish, you're going to hook a fish. Uh-huh. You don't yank it out of their mouth. No. You let the car hook itself. Well, you, you so you can build dance that thing. Uh, you don't, but I don't think there's any need. I don't think there's any need. I I would rather have a nice, steady, solid hook set than swinging for the fences because that carp's gonna he's gonna sink it down for you nice. And there's no reason to put any extra any extra strain on your tippet or your rod by swinging for the fences. Just just hump it in there. And let him go. Okay, and then he takes a run. Oh yeah, he's going to take a run. And you're not going to bear down. You're going to let him go. I'll let him go, but I, you know, I'm fishing him in a. Uh, I do not have a loose drag. I, I got mean, a, that's what you got to drag for. Yeah, I got a tight drag on him, so he's going to tighten himself up real quick. And generally, towards the end of that run, I'm going to reach down and 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 switch over to fighting drag, and and that's that's going to put it to him. And I'm going to try and slow him down towards the end of it. Maybe not all, you know. If I'm feeling good, I'll lay all run okay. all the way. If and when you say fighting drag, really. you don't have a magic reel with a flip switch on it. You're actually just turning the drag a little tighter. Yeah, no click, right. one click. I, I, I like um, I I use hydros reels most of the time. I use Orvis hydros on all my gear uh, because I like I I think the drag is actually it's supposedly not better than the Mirage, but kiss my ass if it's not <laughs> it's a better reel than the mirage now, how do you feel about that let's get some real opinion <laughs> but uh the the one you know it's uh one click i can go from one and and two clicks max from where i start my fighting drag off I, i'll never be farther away than two clicks off from when i set the hook on that fish okay so i, I know it's not like right you're cranking down tight no. oh no pretty damn tight but i'm not you know i'm 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 already pretty tight well your tippet's only good for what 12 pounds probably yeah yeah so yeah. you don't want to be too tight but um, no you don't want to be too tight but you don't want to get him loosey-goosey exactly you, you well, don't want you don't want to uh let him get into stuff and you don't want him in when you're using barbless hooks yeah, you, yeah. So well, you can't gonna... you can't afford to ease up with barbless exactly. hooks. If you give him slack, you, you just wave bye bye. Yeah. So you, you've got to maintain tension. Yes. And you've got to be ready to start cranking anytime he slows down. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Now, Don't let on, him rest. On your reel, um, unlike bait casting reels or something, your drag. If you're cranking on it, the drag doesn't slip the reel. The reels t- the Crank is directed yeah, it's to the direct rail. drive. Yeah, yeah. So you've got to be careful. There. Yeah, yeah. Got to get your hand out of the way. Yeah. You get a busted don't, knuckle. Don't get caught up. Yeah. yeah, you will get a busted knuckle. Carp, carp will break a finger. Well, that's a badge of courage, isn't it? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, but you can't reel for a few weeks afterwards, so don't do it. Hey, fella, how'd you get that? You know, that 100-pound carp did that to me. <laughs> yeah, 100-pounder, that'd be great, wouldn't it? 100-pounder might break your arm. So let's 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 segue into one of the things that, that this, this works from all your fishing, but it really counts in carp fishing. Situational awareness, being in the moment execution well situational awareness and being in the moment will set you up for proper execution. what do you mean by being in the moment being being a part of what's going on around uh, being immersed in what's happening around you the air the water the, the, you know the the weeds behind you the tree line 100 yards away right know what's going on um you, Man, it will lead you to so many different discoveries. Looking up, thinking about what bugs are coming off. Is the wind pushing them onto the water? Are the, are the cows feeding in that field across from me? Um, am I seeing a no, lot? That of, would be an issue because they're driving insects. Sure. Oh, kind of well, you know, and, and, and then there's just that, 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 that circadian rhythm of animals, man. You know, my father was a big believer in if cows are laying down, fish are not eating. I, eh, eh, <laughs> I don't know about all that, but, but situational awareness, when you get there, just don't walk down to the creek. Take, take a look. Are, are, are bugs coming off the water? Um, is the wind blowing bugs and ants onto the water? Where's the sun angle? How, what's the wind doing? What are these fish seeing? Um, what's the color of the water? Um, all these type of things. And yeah, you know, it takes a while. It takes a while, but that's one of the reasons I like to just sit on my butt for 5, 10, 15 minutes before I do anything when I get there. Um, I started doing that with trout fishing a lot more and I incorporated into everything. You, you know, not just rigging up and standing around and watching, but sit on your butt. With nothing in your hands and just watch what's going on around. Um, immerse yourself in this. You'll be much more effective. So you're not talking about just stomping, pushing your way through the weeds and stepping out in the water and looking around. You're talking about just slowly gliding in. Become part of the surroundings. Yeah. Where you're not flushing bugs. You're not doing anything unnatural. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. just paying attention. Yeah. Be, be in the moment. Uh, think about what you're going to do before you do it. You don't have to rush. We're supposed to, you know, this is supposed to be relaxing, right? True. So, you know, so think about what you're going to do. Often when I'm going to take a shot, you know, you, you'll see a, say you're watching baseball, you see a batter. He'll call time. He'll step one foot out of the box and he'll, he'll take a big breath. You can see him mentally reset, step back in. I, mm -hmm. I do that all the time when I'm fishing. Uh, mentally reset. Think about what you're fixing to do, calm yourself, and then do it. Uh, it, it'll, 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 it'll bump your fish count up. Probably on that first cast, that's extremely important. It's very important, yeah. Because that but, sets the tone. Yeah. But that'll bump your, that'll bump your fish count up, guys. And, and even when I'm, I'm blind casting, when I'm bass fishing or something like that, things are going bad or I'm switching flies, reset. Reset. Go sit down for five minutes. Reset. Maybe I didn't see what was going on. What are these fish seeing? Is, is something hatching? Are there fry in the shallows? What did I miss here? You know, just just kind of reset, relax. You know, get back into the to the rhythm of it. You know, move with the, the rhythm of nature. Be a part of it. Do you have any techniques? Um, 
say you, you first walk up, you haven't made your first cast, you've got your line played out a little bit to the at least the end of the tippet and leader. Mm-hmm. So you're, you're at your fly line on your last feral. You strip out a bunch of line first about how far you think you're going to go. How do you get your line start to play out without making a big fuss? Well, it's, it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough. Right. I mean, if you can I do it I see a all, lot of people start flapping around and slapping water, and they've ruined it when, when they do that. Well, if you'll take a, if you have a little water in front of you, a little place to, to, to lay a little line, if you'll just lay that slack out to your side, point your rod down at a 45 and just wiggle, it'll play that line out. You can play however much line you want out as long as you've got it slack off of your reel. Just point your rod at a 45 down, wiggle it back and forth, and the weight of that line will work itself out. It'll just it'll pay that line right out on the dirt for you. Then you're going to get five, ten feet yeah, out. Yeah, don't get too much because you're not going to be able to have a nice smooth pickup right, right. for your back cast. Right, you're going to get hung in the brush or something. Yeah, and that's one thing you guys might do is, is practice your pickups. Uh, pickups are... Yeah, I think that's a good point because I see a lot of people make that mistake. Pickups are where... Screws your cast a lot. You're picking up and you're catching the brush, or you pick up your first back cast goes into the tree, um, you know stuff like that. Well, they don't raise their tip up when they pull out of the water. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You need you try need to, to drag pull, that yeah. line out of the well, water. You're one of the things that guys get get lazy about more than anything, and most of us know it. You need to remove your fly line from the water before you begin your back cast. You need to only have you're gonna have a tiny bit of line on sure. there. Sure, it's impossible to pull the whole thing off. But you can't have thirty feet or twenty feet. You want to have feet. is right. is is mostly leader, ninety percent leader on that water when you when you start your back cast. You don't want to, if it's a proper cast. Now, if you're intending to water load, then leave it all on there, and you're going to load that rod really well. But if you're not intending to water load, you want to remove that that fly sure. from the water. It's also going to cut down on how much disturbance you make on the water. You know, if you're trying to sneak that fly away from a car, do not rip it out like that. Carp will be gone. Sure. Well, particularly in fresh water, soft, you know, smooth water. Yeah. That yeah. sort of thing. And going back to what I said about being in the moment, resetting. Think about think about your execution. Think about what you're about to do. Slow down. Pick yourself a spot. Pick a target. Pick a point on that water to cast to. So I'm going to hit that point right there. Think about I'm going to pull it. I'm going to drag it, and I'm going to drop it. I'm going to be ready for the set. I, when I was when I played golf, I was a big uh, I was big into mental visualization. I would visualize every shot, and I was also accused of being a very slow golfer. <laughs> but uh, uh, visualize your shot, visualize your shot, visualize what you're going to do once that fish picks up. And then another point that we might not have covered in the first two is once you're hooked up, you need to start looking for a place to land that fish. Don't get caught out in a bad spot where you can't land that fish. And sometimes I am, I, I'm, I've screwed up a few times. Be aware of where you're hooking the fish. If you sneak down to the water's edge and you're between two big trees and you're standing on a bluff and there's no way if you hook that fish, you can't run around the tree and you can't jump in the water, what are you going to do? Right. You know, and I've done that on several occasions. Or if you're up on a bluff yeah. and there's no way to get down to the water, yeah. you've got to, yeah. There you go. You know, <clears throat> might as well, you might as well sneak down and, and try and get to him from a different You can't direction. pick that fish up. Yeah. He's going to be too heavy yeah. to pull yeah, him but, out of the water. So the situational awareness will help you with your execution, in my mind. I, I think it, it, it goes oh, hand agree. in hand. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just, it's being aware of everything around you, being comfortable, being a part of nature. 
and, 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 and just being aware of what's going on. And, you know, you'll see, man, when I, when I really concentrate on this, when I just say, man, you know, just slow down, slow down, slow down, slow down, I'm always surprised at how much stuff I see. That, that half the time exactly. it doesn't even pertain to fishing, but I see some really cool stuff. Well, true. You know? You're always learning something. Yeah. Learning something useful somewhere else. Back to when you hook a fish, I, I wanted to bring that up, and I, I slipped my mind. Um, something I think is real important, when you first hook that carp and he's going to take off, he's going to zip through weeds because a lot of times he's close to the bank. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's going to start tangling you up. There's nothing wrong just to get in that water and start chasing that line down a little bit and breaking, making sure you're not getting hung up with stuff. Yeah, you've blown, you've foliage. blown that, you've blown that hole already. You've hooked that carp. He's starting to go crazy. So you've blown that hole and worry about getting in the water now. That's right. Yeah. You go in and get that, get that line loose. If you're going to keep that fish, you've got to be untangled. Yeah. You be, be proactive, right? Exactly. Know what you're saying? Yeah. Don't be scared to jump in there and untangle your, your crap. If you want to catch the fish, get after it, right? Exactly. There you go. And I've seen a, some of our friends um, actually, when they caught a carp and it was too big to get in the net, they leap in the water and wrestle the. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Hey man, you just talk about getting in the water. I saw it was it. I saw Tyson Womble all the way up within an eighth of an inch of the top of his waders uh, at Crab Apple this year. Where <laughs> <laughs> he had a big fish hung up on the far bank. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, but you got to save it, right? It's about catching the fish. It's about catching right. the fish, man. If you're there to stay clean and, and unmust, then you need to go find another hobby. I mean, you know, all you guys out there with clean waders, you're not fishing hard enough. Anything else we need to cover? Oh, man, somebody needs to send uh, send the winning lotto numbers in for me. I'll tell you what. I, I'll buy your ticket, and if you win, I'll let you know. How's that? <laughs> there you go. There you go. Maybe. Anybody got the algorithm for me? I can figure that out. Oh, yeah. Just, I want to uh, let, let everybody know we're at the Hunt Store live. Let's talk about the Hunt Store well, a little bit because you yeah. can hear them in the background. Yeah. And that's because we're not hiding out in the studio. We're out in the real world where people can walk by and ask us what we're doing. Yeah. We're probably from where we sit. What do you think? 65 yards from the river, Tim? Right. 65 yards from the river and... Some hundred foot cypress across the 25 street. Twenty five feet from the, from the beer cooler. Yeah, it's <laughs> not a bad place to be. We're even closer to the cookies too. Yeah, ten fifteen feet for the cookies. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it's a you know thanks to John and everybody at the Hunt Store for giving us a home. It's a beautiful spot. They have live music here too, don't they? They do. They do on weekends. Yep. Is that what happens? Yep. yep. Summer's fixing to get pretty crazy. The Hunt Store is a pretty happening spot. Well, there if you haven't summer. been here, it, it's worth the visit. It's a different kind of store, and it's a little bit old country, isn't it? Quite a bit old country, yes. yeah. Yeah. And it's the only business in Hunt, I think, just about. Well, you got Adams Fence over there, and okay. you got the post office, oh, that's and, right. and then the elementary school, oh, and Buff's Hair Salon. And okay. <laughs> I think that covers it. And I don't need that, and you don't need that, no. do you? So. But I think, yeah, I think that's it. If I haven't, the, the chamber will contact me if I have not named all the businesses. Okay. What, in two weeks you're going down to the coast? Yeah, well, you know, have you set that one day up? coast, one day big city. Well, okay. They're next to each other. They are next to each other. Houston's built on a swamp. <laughs> it is. Yeah. So you're going to go to San Luis Pass, or are you going to go? We'll be just above it, yeah. Yeah, we'll probably run that whole whole thing all the way down. Um, I like, you know, the last time we did, 
we started at the at the uh what i call it north and south end mike calls it east and west end and you know to me it's i get it all mixed up in my mind but we're going to start from the farthest end of one and probably end up at the other. You're not talking about Galveston Island. You're you were talking about Galveston, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then end up at San Luis Pass. I, when I when I went you know, when I'm standing on North Beach, I'm thinking San Luis Pass is directly south of me. Well they call it the West End it of the Island. It is west of you. I hate to break it to you, but it is west of you. <laughs> but it's the but it's south end of the island, damn it. Well it's west of you, just accept it. I know. I know. I know. Things a little bit you know, you get Things are a little bit different on Galveston Island. Okay. You got any fly orders going on? Um, just one. Just one for our good friend, Mr. Jim Hines. Streamer box and a few banshees. Okay. I think I got to tie some banshees for uh, for a Mr. Geekus, too. Yeah, that would work well. Yeah. Do they ever make those in other colors than brown? Sure, they could, yeah. I've ever seen one in another color but brown. Well, it's, it's you know most most uh, caddis are going to be light tan or brown. Sure. So and it's a caddis imitation. Well, before we go, um, I, th- I want to mention a few things. The Fly Club here is doing Texas Hill Country Fly Fishers. We got some programs. We got um, Project Healing Waters. That's going to be cool. Set up by Walter Lee and his wife Pat. Yep. And thank uh, them very much for, for kicking that off it's for us. It's going to be fly tying, fly fishing lessons for vets. Yeah. Um, yeah if you guys aren't familiar with Real co- Recovery, check that out. It's Real Recovery. Very cool. It's another one. Um, we also have a program of mentoring that we're starting. We've shown several people have written me saying they want to find out more about the mentoring program. Jim Hines is setting that up. Yep. And the club is going to provide mentors for different parts of fly fishing, casting, fly tying. Advanced casting, different types of fish, and so you'll be kind yeah, of just paired and, up. And basics, right? I mean, well, right, yeah, basics. Yeah. Any any beginners that want to, you know, it's join. never started, never done anything before. Where yeah. how do you get started? Yeah, yeah. It's 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 uh, like a safety net for our members, right? I mean, you know, you join the club, and you want to go fly fishing, you don't know a damn thing about it. Well, we got you exactly. You're we, covered. We got you. And then we got the Boy Scout Merit Badge Program. Yeah. We yeah. working. We've had our fun. first. I got to participate in that not long ago. That was cool. Well, we had our first Boy Scout come through that got his merit badge. Yeah, it was a lot of fun and fly fishing. Yep. So that's that's all through the Texas Hill Country Fly Fishers. Anybody interested in finding out more? The website is thcff.org. Really yeah. simple. Oh yeah, let's don't forget our friends at uh, Honey Hole. We want to mention Honey Hole Hayes Trash. Honey Hole Hayes Trash. They have a trash program. If you go to their website. Honey Hole Angling? Is that what that is? A honey Hole Hangout. Honey Hole Hangout, sorry. And um, I think they're switching over to angling. They've been they're kind so. of like this weird, weird limbo. transition yeah, mode. Domain yeah. name Limbo have been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, they got a contest going. If you pick up trash, take a photo and send it to them, you're automatically entered into the contest. And they've got some pretty good prizes, I think. Yeah, with, yeah. Uh, they have some good prizes. I think they were doing it on a 90-day basis, but I think now they're going to do a big grand prize uh, for the whole thing at the end of the year. All right. Pretty big prize package. Well, maybe we should do a contest. Maybe people should write in and tell us what we should do for a contest yeah. prize. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what people Look, we're giving like. away a prize to our first hater. Well, that, okay. I'm going to write an anonymous letter. So. <laughs> no, seriously, if anybody's got a prize they think would be appropriate. Uh, for a hater? 
and affordable because you're going to have to be a subscriber and a member yeah. or something. Yeah. I don't know. We'll figure well, it out. To come up with, yeah, we're going to have to come up with something like off the wall. I mean, this can't be a normal. No. Yeah. I mean, this is a, nobody just wants a nondescript prize. Yeah, I mean, but I'm, I'm talking about contest. Something weird. Fishing contest? Yeah, something weird. You want to have an electronic fishing contest? We Maybe. could do that. I don't know. Like, I don't see about a Barbie rod, you know, tournament. Everybody have a Barney Barbie rod? Yeah, yeah. Barbie rod tournament, something like that. That'd be fun. Well, I haven't thought about that. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen that. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to this, uh, one of the guys in the Houston club, and uh, he used to belong to, to uh, a club in uh, Cleveland. Was it Cleveland? Somewhere in Ohio, yeah. and they used to fish, you know, steelhead out of the tribs there, out of the Erie tribs. And he said one one time during the year they had a steelhead tournament with Barbie rods. And he says it's it's great to see a guy standing there in two thousand dollars worth of Sims and Patagonia gear with a Barbie rod in his <laughs> hand. Right? It's not a they don't want you to photograph that and send it out. No, no, but I think that'd be a lot. Of, I think it'd be a lot of fun. And and our good friend uh, Rick Wilson is uh, he's pushing for a one fly tournament. Yep. He's mentioned that several times. Yep. yep. We're going to have to do a tournament pretty quick. I think that's because he could win it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you think? <laughs> yeah. We can do I'm going to do a no-fly tournament. No-fly used work. Oh, yeah. Well, no, that would not be much fun. No, I know. That sounds like my panfish experience yesterday. Ah, man, we all get our butt kicked sometimes. I know. Well, I guess it's time for me to say goodnight, Don. All right. Good night, Tim. And good night, Wonder Dog. And thanks for listening. And be sure and like and subscribe because it really helps us out. And uh, you also get notification when new podcasts come yeah, out. Yeah, you guys just subscribe. And it's easy. You don't have to ever have to go looking. It's always just always loaded there for you. Yeah, yep. it works out. I even subscribe to myself. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> just to make sure it's there. It's my paranoia for something well, I'm, to go. I'm, I'm lucky somebody sends me the episode as soon as it's processed. Yeah. Well, I never have to. I, just, I don't wait for things to go wrong. You yeah. know me. Yeah. All right. Well, good night, folks. All right. Thanks a lot for listening, guys. Thank you for visiting the Roadcast Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or any popular podcast service. Send questions and comments to questions at legitpods.com or find info and links mentioned on our podcast on our website, rowcast.legitpods.com. And finally, visit us on our Instagram page at rowcastpod for the newest information about the podcast. Bye now. Say goodbye, Jake. <laughs>